Jim Alexander is joining us right now in the studio. Give it up, everybody. Woo. We can have analog, analog sound. Yeah. Woo, yeah, just, just all the mics yeah, peaking because we're just clapping yeah, yeah, into yeah. them. Back in the 70s, they didn't have a you know, cheering soundboard, did they? They act like we're in the 70s. Jim Alexander, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. How are you feeling this fine Monday? This fine Monday, I'm feeling, let me tune in. I'm feeling like somewhat scattered. I felt scattered since I released this record, to be honest, that we're going to talk about. Or we might not, but I released a record and we're on a music show, so it's probably a good thing to talk about. (laughs) Quite possibly. But yeah, I felt generally scattered, but I'm like, I'm happy. Yeah, that's my answer to that question. Well, speaking of, do you want to plug your record really quickly since we're in here to talk about it? Heck yeah. My record, uh, Feelings Worth Living For, came out... uh, a week ago on Friday, I think. February 24. February 24. Sam, you got the knowledge. I should know this. <laughs> um, no, but it was a it was it took a long time to make the record and it's a really it feels really special to me. So, I'm really proud of it and well, I mean, we'll talk more about it, but that's that's the gist. I hope you all listen to it because it uh, took me ages to make. Yeah, man. It's a really great record and I know you described you. um some of the sounds on here as as alien sounds. And I thought that was a really interesting description. And I was wondering if you have any go-to sounds in your library that you pull out whenever you're making a song that you just love. You know what I mean? Like Timberland drums or something like that. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think, I guess like more broad, more broader than like a uh, particular drum sound, I think something I go to a lot is like stretching things like ridiculously long or reversing a lot of things like a a technique I often use is like if I'm stuck on a song I'll take the lead vocal and just reverse it and have it playing throughout the whole track and there'll be at least one moment that's like really interesting that I have no idea like I didn't plan because I just reversed the whole lead vocal and that usually wields like interesting results and just like I think techniques like that where you don't have a particular like goal in mind you just are subscribing to a process and letting it happen and then listening. I guess that's the that's the go-to is for me is that process. Yeah, and I know you mentioned that you um, are a big fan of of Rick Rubin, who is very notorious for going yeah. in studios and just <laughs> ripping out so much stuff and making the music more bare. With this EP, were there songs that were like completely different in their first draft phase to what we're hearing? On the record, hmm. it's uh, it's interesting you bring up Rick Rubin, because I feel like this record is like my, not my anti Rick Rubin record, but it's like, it's so not minimalist, it's so maximalist. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, I think I'm thinking back, and the only one is the light, and the end of that, when I first made it was just so extra, and it just was such a like. It was such a music flex. It had so much complexity, so much musical complexity in it. And I remember I was showing my girlfriend the record and we listened to The Light and halfway through she started crying. She was like, this is such a beautiful song. And then it got to the end and she turns around and she was like, what did you do? Like, why did you put that stuff at the end? Like, it kind of like ruined the vibe. And I was like, ah, very good point, Lauren. And then, then I scrapped it and what's there now is there and it's a lot simpler and a lot more like true to the emotion of that song. So 
apart from that, a lot of them are pretty much what the demo were, demos were. And I feel like I developed my Rick Rubin-esque skills after I made this record. So like listening back, I'm like, I do, I do a lot of it a lot differently now. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. How much do you, I mean, I know you're, you're a well-trained musician <laughs> and I play saxophone as well. Oh, sick. And I just wanted to connect with you on that level. <laughs> Where sax Because I love the saxophone. And I was wondering if through some of that training or even, you know, listening to, you know, perhaps like jazz music and stuff like that, how that's fused into your creation of these songs. And is it easy to just go in the studio and let a lot of that go and just focus in? Or do you find that those moments of real breakthrough are rare? Mm, I think my musical education has been like a blessing and a curse because I think what education gives you is knowledge, obviously, and with knowledge comes more possibilities. And I think with music, it, the creation of music is so much easier when you have less possibilities. Like for someone who's not musically trained or not, I guess, I guess, I don't want to use the, the term musically trained, but like I, the way I was musically trained was to be open to like many possibilities. So when I hear a record, I, there is no wrong answer because it's like, oh, well, this conveys this emotion, this conveys this emotion. Whereas if there's someone who's grown up listening to rock music, really good rock music, and they're making a record, it's only done when it's really good rock music. And so for me, it's like, it's hard for me to like, it's not my default to connect to just things that are quote unquote good because there are so many versions of good for me because I've trained so much. So I think the last like three years have been me trying to forget everything I've ever learned and to just really connect with like, am I, is what I'm hearing good or is it not? And if it's not, how do I make it better? Mm. I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of went on a tangent there. but No, I like that, though. It brought up some thoughts for me about, like, um, you know, accepting what you create and what you put out there. And I was going to talk about acceptance. Oh, my favorite. It's so, it's so funny going for I was, like, jamming along now to get all serious again and <laughs> philosophical. But, you know, going off those, those ideas, like you were saying, you know, um, over the past two, three years... Um, thinking about your music in a different way and the, and the creation process and going about that. How do you view this record compared mm. to your other bodies of work? Are you more, is this you're like, I love, this is my favourite thing I've ever, you know, mm. put out. Do you find there's a lot of differences between, you know, what you used to make six years ago versus now? Totally. I think there is a world of difference. But I think it's nice listening back to it, which I occasionally do. Because I can, I can always hear myself, which I think a lot of people struggle with. And I'm glad that I've, I seemingly have always been connected to that to some degree. I will say this record is definitely the most that I definitely like, I think came into who I was, like my musical person and my person person kind of collaborated on this record, I would say. And I think listening to this record I'm super proud of it. Like, even though, like what I said before, there's a lot that I would do differently now, I think, because this record took so long and also because I think at the root of it, like, the musical spirit is there, I can listen past all the things that I would change and still hear great songs about things that I wanted to talk about. So the overall feeling, 
uh, I feel like I've gone on a tangent and not answered your question again. But um, the overall feeling I get from listening to this record is that I'm really happy with it and I f- see myself in it, which is the biggest thing for me. Mm. How do you find um, kind of trying to translate your own sound and your own voice when you're working with other people? Like, let's take Real Love, for example, mm. by Carly Rae Jepsen. What was it like working on that track? Uh, it was pretty weird. <laughs> it was pretty, like, I guess, I mean, to boil it down, I added, like, okay, if you, if you, because there's three producers on that song. James and Coz, the other two producers, made the cake and, like, iced it, and I put the candles in, basically. So the experience of working on that song was, like, very fun for me because I was also, like, deep in producer land at that point in terms of, like, I was making sounds like... and Like, all these, like, ear candy type stuff. Um, So it was a good experience because I didn't have to, like, contribute to the hard bits which are like arrangement and form and structure and all these big decisions I just got to like sprinkle stuff on top um, and it was surreal we had lunch it was weird talking to Carly Rae Jepsen <laughs> yeah. it was cool though it was nice yeah were you a fan of her stuff before there oh yeah I mean who isn't like Emotions yeah. such a great record and who doesn't know Call Me Maybe and it's like it's a nice credit to have because it's like everyone knows Carly Rae Jepsen so it's been good for me. I've I've enjoyed the experience of having worked in that. And I learned a lot working with the other people on that song too. Mm. I want to kind of go and, you know, bounce off that a little bit and talk about um, the American industry compared to over here. Mm. And, you know, I feel like we have so many talented, you know, artists come out of Australia and especially like in the soul scene, you know. Mm-hmm. I was, we were talking about Hardest Cody earlier. And I think they're great. And, you know, I just played another great soul track from Melbourne. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a great scene here. And I don't think it gets lifted, you know, enough. And even when we talk about electronic music as well, right, there's a certain sound. How mm-hmm. do you fa- find, like, working and existing musically in Australia compared to the US? Hmm. That's a great question. I think that, like, because of its geographical location and the constraints that come along with that, Australia is like, it's like a little incubator. So everything that happens here, we know about, and they're the biggest things in the world. Like I remember when I was at uni, Electric Empire were like my heroes and like, like Cat Empire, all the empires. (laughs) Um, But because it's so, for a band like that, doing a US tour or a Europe tour is such an expensive thing. It's really hard to export that. And I think that leads to like, this industry just being so insular and like which isn't a bad thing i think it breeds really amazing music and the few who make it out like the flumes and the tame impalas they make massive global impacts which is incredible to see and it's nice it's nice when you hear those songs on a global scale and being like yeah kevin's from perth and like it acting like i know kevin parker um but the experience of being in australia for me is a lot more as well reflective of that it's a lot more insular for me because all of the people I write with I know really well who live in Melbourne whereas when I'm in LA I'm writing with people I don't know all the time and it's just it's so expansive because there's such a big scene there Um, but I feel like being in Australia for me enables me to just concentrate inwards and concentrate on my sound and I think as an artist that's a really valuable thing you don't feel pressure to write with everyone all the time because 
there are just less people doing it so there's less time that that can take up and also like i don't know for me the australian landscape like nature and like hearing magpies in the morning and shit like that i just like i hear that and i'm like oh i just want to write it write a song for me today i've really just said i heard a magpie and i want to write a song but that's my answer to that question (laughs) It's just about the most Australian thing we've ever had set on the hoist, but I love it so, so much. It's amazing. Well, I only recently found out that magpies are the ones that do the, like, the like the that like That's I, I, them? Yeah, I really thought they no. sounded like crows because of how they looked, but they sound amazing. Way better than crows. I had no idea. Yeah. You've just blown my mind. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I want to circle back just circle back. quickly. Circle back. Because um, you mentioned that, you know, the making of this record was a bit of a lengthy process mm. and something that I, I want to say is like a labor of love almost. Um, mm. And it's been it, it's been a bit difficult, I guess, based on what you're kind of saying about it. Uh, mm. Talk us through that. How was what was the process like of making this record? Well, I may have been somewhat misleading. It was lengthy because we fi- we finished this record like a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Like it, it had been mastered and it was the process of finding the right record label and finding the right place to release it. That was where the, the length came from, I guess. Um, but making this record like changed my life. Like before this record, I wasn't a singer and now I'm a singer. So I got a whole new instrument and a whole like, I don't know, I just kind of stepped into this like artist confidence zone which I didn't used to feel and it feels really nice and it definitely like brought me closer to like being myself and being okay with that rather than like trying to be trying to be like the best producer in the world or trying to be the best sax player in the world or whatever like this record really brought me to the center of my being which is really like it was a really valuable experience plus I also got to collaborate with Nathan Body, who mixed the record, who's like one of my favorite all-time mix engineers. He mixed Assume Form by James Blake. He mixed uh, Raw Youth Collage by Miramessa. And I remember like, I listened to Raw Youth Collage on a bus and I was like, oh my God, how do these drums sound so good? I must work with this person. And like, to have the opportunity to like work with him and now like, I occasionally text him with really nerdy questions and he answers me and it's like, so like having that experience and also just the experience of making a record and releasing a record with a label has just been like massive learning for me. Yeah. So that's what I got heaps from this record. No, that's really beautiful. And it really like drives home that kind of like acceptance. It really has, it sounds like it has been, I guess, a journey of acceptance. I hate using the word journey. It doesn't everybody, but we're all on journey. Yeah, we're all on a journey. It's great. Um, But yeah, the band is also a great band. Oh, this is also true. (laughs) You know, I love me some journey, but yes, it's acceptance all around. I feel like. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I think it's a great, great word to use though there, Mia, you know, journey. And this EP does feel like a, you know, a bit of a journey through different grooves i think you know what i mean each of the tracks do have like a very distinctly different groove and it Mm -hmm. it still fits together you know and tells a story but that's what i really liked about it um feelings worth living for you guys got to check it out man check it out jim alexander's six track ep jim can you can you direct direct people possibly new fans where where they can find you where they can listen to you oh well you can listen to me this thursday at the northcote social club if you'd like there it is we um, love a gig plug because i'm doing an ep launch and uh 
yeah, I really hope people come because it's going to cost me heaps of money if they don't. <laughs> but also, uh, I've got a band and it's going to be beautiful and I'm very excited to share these songs. But if you can't make it on Thursday to the Northcote Social Club, you can listen to me on the internet on all the streaming services. It's Jim Alexander. Alexander spelled A-L-X-N-D-R. It's, it's all the vowels taken out except for the first one. But... All the search engines are optimized to account for any spelling errors, I hope, according to the label. But yes, that's where you can find me online. <laughs> amazing, amazing. To recap, Jim Alexander, Northcote Social Club on Thursday. Be there or be square. Yeah, be very square if you're not there. Absolutely. And you can hear more beautiful tunes like the two that we just played for you. Is there anywhere on the socials that people can follow you? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram for content about my life. You can follow me on TikTok for like really random content that I'm. <laughs> that it's it's literally some of my TikToks are just a video of my face and me going. Bleh, bleh, bleh. Um, so if you want that, you can follow me on TikTok, and all the other ones. I'm I'm on all of them. Beautiful. We Not Bebo. That, that's where it's at there these days. TikTok man. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> On the TikTok. <laughs> All right, feelings worth living for. Jim Alexander, the EP is out now. Give it a listen. Check it out. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. And thank you, James, for coming into the studio. Thank you, Sam and Mia, for having beautiful voices.